360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight, we have a special show for you, actually in two parts. First, we will hear an interview with graduate apprentice Zakia G.E. Capehart, who is launching her first book tomorrow morning, Ghana on My Mind, Reflections of Journeying to the Motherland. Also, we'll get an update on Antioch City politics with Councilwoman of District 1, Tamisha Torres-Walker. The city just voted in body cameras and police car dash cams. How will the city pay for these updates to our police department? Councilwoman Torres-Walker will help us break that down. All that and a little bit more tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Free Will and Franklin. Keep it locked right here to KPF. A. All right, welcome back to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates like myself of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. And tonight, to kick off the show, I'm very excited to bring back Zakia G.E. Capehart, a graduate apprentice who was always a great poet and always had interesting stories to tell. Well, she's launching her first book, Ghana on My Mind, Reflections of Journeying to the Motherland. And she joined me yesterday for this interview to talk all about her trip to Ghana, what it meant to her, and how you could join in on her book launch tomorrow on Zoom. Take a listen to this interview. All right, this is Free Will and Franklin. Welcome back to KPFA and Full Circle. And we are joined now with a graduate apprentice, a voice you may remember, that is Zakia G.E. Capehart, and she was our poet in residence as an apprentice. How are you doing, Zakia? I'm great, Franklin. Thank you for asking. How are you today? I'm doing okay, hanging in there, um, trying to live life. And uh, Zakia, you are, um, you have wrote a book. It's called Ghana on My Mind, Poetic Reflections on Journeying to the Motherland, and this is on Book Power Publishing, and we're going to talk about your book tonight and your trip to Ghana. So let me start off just asking you, can you talk about how you felt when you first arrived in Ghana? Oh, I sure can. I felt like I had arrived in heaven. Uh, when I arrived in Ghana, you know, I didn't know what to expect. My first time arriving on the motherland, um, I had great expectations, and I really was hoping that uh, my experience would be extraordinary. And stepped off the plane into the, the meeting area of the airport, and I just, my body transformed. I mean, I just became speechless because I could actually feel the stress lift off my body. I felt like I had shed it, the body that I was in, and stepped into a new body. 
So that was a, such a heavenly experience. And as I looked around, there were people that all looked like me. I had never before experienced that. And it was just amazing. So I just felt at home, like I had finally found my home, arrived in the place of my ancestors' birth, and where I wished I had been born. It was a blessing. Wow, it's amazing. And um, no surprise, I guess, to actually do that, because I finally got to go to my reservation uh, part of the uh, the land my dad was from. And I kind of had that same feeling like, well, this is the land where my people were, you know, and are still and where my dad was raised. So it was amazing to be there. Well, let me ask you this, because this trip obviously had a huge impact on your life. And I'm sure your work, uh, the book is called uh, Ghana on my mind, right? Tell us about your book and also some of the things that you have experienced that have landed on the pages somewhere in your book. Of course. Yes. This book is actually quite magical. So what happened? I hadn't planned on writing a book. When I returned back to Oakland for the first two weeks, perhaps longer, but it's certainly for two weeks, all my dreams were dreams about the motherland, was about the people, the ocean side, the, the water, the, you know, just everything that happened in Ghana. And it's like I didn't want to get away from it, but if I had wanted to, I, I'm sure that I couldn't have gotten away from those dreams. They were so beautiful and so real. And I just kept dreaming. It was like every night was a joy. Every morning was a joy. All my thoughts, you know, in my prayers and my meditations, it was just all about, you know, Ghana. And then one day, after two or three weeks, I didn't have the dreams anymore. And, and I said to myself, oh, I should have written. I should have written about those experiences. So after that, I, I prayed that I could remember some of those experiences so that I could write. And I began to write. I began to write. It was just like my, I was holding my pen, but the words were just flowing, flowing. And it was pretty much effortless. And I didn't know, I didn't plan on just, you know, writing poetry or writing stories. It was just, you know, however it turned out. And as it, it turned out to be poems and short stories. And it was just rejuvenating. Wow, it's so beautiful, Zakia. Thank you. And I know you as an apprentice. I know you were big into poetry at the time. And your poems were always beautiful and exciting. And poetry is a huge part of your existence. And tonight you're going to share a poem with us and a short story later. But tell us about what you're about to share with us and then let's hear it. Well, thank you, Franklin. Uh, this poem is a poem that I wrote about my experience on 
the aircraft traveling to Ghana. It's entitled Ghana, O Ghana, and it's the first poem that I wrote for this book. Traveling by air across the sea, journey of a lifetime, finally coming to be. Land of my ancestors, history awaits, unveiling roots, opening wounds, where scars are left to heal. Weaving spirits and touching souls, Ghana, oh Ghana, constantly on my mind. When I arrive, what do I hope to find? Will you be there waiting to welcome and receive me with embracing arms? Will I feel your love running through me until my cup runneth over? Here I sit staring out at clouds, silently praying, Ghana, oh Ghana, your distant, disconnected family is now returning home to a country once thought of as the land of no return. Wow, Zakia, that was beautiful. Uh, just like always in all your poems. And your book, Ghana on My Mind, Poetic Reflections on a Journey to the Motherland, is not only a book of poems, but it's also a book of short stories as well. Why did you choose this format? Because personally, I love books like this because I can pick it up and read it for a short time and then feel satisfied that I completed the reading at least of that story or that part of the book. So yeah, tell us why you chose this format for your book. Well, Franklin, I have to tell you that the format chose me. I did not set out to write poems and short stories, but I am so thankful that um, the book is a book of poems and short stories because I think a lot of people probably feel like you, not having time to, to read a, a 300, 400, or 1,000 page novel as such. So this is gonna speak volumes for a lot of folks. All right, thank you, Zakia, so much. And I understand you have a man there with you, Bryant B. Bowling, that is ready to perform with you? Well, um, this man that I'm with is my husband, Bryant B. Bowling. And he is an amazing vocalist and pianist. And he has composed songs to complement the poems and stories that I've written for my Ghana O Ghana, Poetic Reflections on Journeying to the Motherland. And this um, particular story is entitled Guyanian fishing village, Bryant will begin 
by playing the piano and singing the song that he composed, which is entitled Fish Away. Well, good day, KPFA family. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Brian B. Bowling, and I'm here with my wife, Sakia G. Capehart Bowling. And I do have a little tune that I wrote that accompanying her poems and her short stories for a book, Ghana on My Mind. Cape Coast. Some of us decided to take a stroll along the shore. Tyrese and Nate found a scenic spot on the rocks facing the ocean where they stopped and sat to enjoy Ghana's beautiful ocean view. Adeshima and I preferred to walk dodging the waves along the way. Soon we arrived at a Guyanian fishing village, just when the fishermen and women were returning with their morning catch. 
they exhibited wonderful cooperation and collective camaraderie as they got the boats on shore. Whenever a boat would come in, the people on the shore would gather and pull the boat out of the water. Their rhythm and timing were amazingly in sync. It was astonishing to watch. When the nets were pulled from the boats and dropped on the shore, they were bursting with hundreds of fish. The boats were constantly arriving. The villagers were unrelenting in assisting one another. The children played and worked alongside the adults. There was joyful, jovial conversation and laughter and so much love and respect. Watching them inspired me beyond my expectations. After frolicking along the beach, we walked back to join the other poets for lunch. I smiled, reflecting on my lovely day. I was so smitten by the experience that I would not have minded spending the day on the beach just savoring the seafood. Then I submerged myself into the ocean and enjoyed jumping the waves. Fish away, fish away. That's what the fishermen say. Fish away, fish away. On that bright and sunny day. Yes, that bright and sunny day. Well, that bright and sunny Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian and Zakia. That is the voice voices of Zakia G.E. Capehart, first voice apprentice graduate, and Bryant on the piano, her husband, Bryant B. Bowling. And that was such a beautiful performance, Zakia. Thank you so much. And I want to ask you a couple more questions about your trip because I believe part of this trip is part of your thoughts about how African-Americans are researching to find out what areas in Africa their ancestors were from. Because as we know, the African-American experience, as far as people born here, um, don't have a trail back to their homeland because they were either stolen or sold from Africa. So can you tell me, do you know where your ancestors in Africa come from and why is this important to you to research and find out like so many other African-Americans are doing? Yes, so this is so very important to me because I understand that the reason that I am so confused about a lot of family situations and, and questions that friends and, and other people have of me, I don't know. I, I'm like the tree 
without roots. And we know a tree without roots cannot live. That tree will die. And so I feel that's, it's something that is happening with my African-American sisters and brothers, that we are just dying because we're so thirsty for the knowledge of self and thirsty for the knowledge of, of just knowing, you know, where we belong, you know, what happened in the past. All people need that. And surely we do also. So that is, you know, put me and my husband on our journey. And so we are still on that journey of, of uh, assessing and, and getting the knowledge of where we are, our ancestors came from. We do know, and I do know that, yes, I have ancestors that are from Ghana and other parts of Africa as well. So those other parts of Africa are, um, I know that I think the Cameroon is, is another um, area that my ancestors came from. And, and that's where I'll have to stop at the moment because I, as I said, I'm still researching that. Uh, we have to do deeper research to uh, answer that question thoroughly and adequately. But thank you. Thank you for asking me that today because uh, that's so important for me and all of my African diaspora brothers and sisters. And as I said before, I feel it's very important for all people to do that research for themselves. Definitely, Zakia. I do feel it's important for everyone to know. And like I said, when I got to the reservation for the first time and actually heard the singers, the bird singers, as they are known, shake the gourd and sing a song, I felt, as you felt, uh, this feeling come over me that actually this is home. Um, I was raised here in Antioch, California, the Bay Area, and it's been the home I've known all my life, but I did feel that sort of sense of home when I was down south on the Rincon Reservation. Well, we're going to wrap up here in just a second, Zakia. And I finally just want to ask you this last question because this trip has had so much influence on your life that you are planning on or considering moving permanently to uh, Ghana with your husband. Tell us about that decision and why that might be important to you uh, to happen in the future. That decision is, is a decision that we made because we realize that, you know, there's so much more that we can find out and discover and maybe find relatives. And, and, and also we know that there are lots of um, other Africans in the dysphoria and also, you know, people from here, from, from the U.S. that we know, friends and family members that have already uh, settled and moved to uh, the motherland. So this is something that Bryant and I were talking about and, and considering. And in the light of, of all that's happening here with our people being killed on a, a daily basis, I mean, this has never uh, gone away. This lynching, this modern day lynching, which is the shooting of, of our brothers and sisters, it's a modern day lynching. And as we know, and, and I'm sure that you know, and lots of other people that are listening know that this happened 
in, in, during enslavement time. And there's documentation, there are museums, there's all kinds of information. And so I feel, so Bryant and I feel that there, so this is just another way of incarcerating us. I feel that we're still on the plantation, that we never left. It's just, it's just a different face now. The prison industrial complex is another aspect of it. And so we, we're really tired of it. We, we realize that we don't have to live like this that we can live in our motherland and have a totally different experience. Have, you don't have to worry about walking out the door every day and thinking that you're gonna be shot down or, you know, you know being a good citizen here doesn't, doesn't mean anything. So we want to be valued. We want to be able to, to be loved. We want to be able to know that there's a difference and not to have to, to always look over our shoulders and apologize for being black, <laughs> for being who we are and not be invisible to people. And, and so th these are some of the reasons why. So it's, it's important to us because of those reasons and other reasons also. Well, thank you again for such beautiful answers tonight, Zakia. And again, that is the voice of a familiar voice that some of you may remember, some of you real full circle fans, the voice of Zakia G.E. Capehart. And we've been talking about not only her trip to Ghana, but the book that eventually came out of that spiritual journey. And it's called Ghana on My Mind, Poetic Reflections on Journeying to the Motherland. And that's from Book Power Publishing. And this trip happened in 2018. Now, Zakia, why don't you take a moment to tell us about the book, how people can get it, and some special instructions you may have um, that will help you out on your, your publishing journey. Okay. Yes, thank you so much, Franklin. Um, yes, I, I want to begin by inviting the audience to my book launch and birthday celebration. And that will take place on Saturday, March the 13th, 2021 at 10 a.m. in the morning Pacific time. Now I've made this at, at this early time for um, a very good reason, because I have invited people from throughout the country and throughout the world. So I have already confirmation from uh, friends and, and other people that I don't even know from the motherland who has confirmed that they will be here. And as we know, their time dif their timing uh, is different and it'll be 6 p.m. their time. I didn't want to uh, not be able to invite them and for other people in, in Asia, Europe, whoever wants to come, um, their timing will be a later time too. So we will have an international book launch and, and birthday celebration this Saturday. So please join us if you're able to. Um, we will be going on for at least an hour and a half. And for your poets out there, please come dust off those poems and come to my book launch and birthday celebration on Saturday. Because after, uh, at the end of the show, we expect to have an open mic. So this event takes place on Saturday, March the 13th, 2021 at 10 a.m. in the morning. This is my 
book launch and birthday celebration. So I want to let you know that it will be an event that you will definitely enjoy. We're going to have um, poets from all over the country, uh, people from all over the country, and I'm sure lots of poets from all over the country too, as well as uh, from Africa and other parts of the world. So I want to let you know that uh, Ghana on my mind, poetic reflections on journeying to the motherland is on sale at Amazon. What I would like for you to do is to wait until Saturday when you come to my book launch, or if you're unable to come, still wait until Saturday, because what I'm trying to accomplish is to have a bestseller. So it's within that first week that I have to sell a ton of books <laughs> to be a bestseller. So wait until Saturday to purchase your book. And um, please tell all your friends and uh, family members, um, contact your network. Please get the word out. Help me get the word out so that um, this can happen. I thank you so much for your attention to this. And please do come to my book launch and birthday celebration. And you can find my book on Amazon. And Zakia, real quick, can you give out the Zoom information? You gave out the time, but we don't know how to get in there. You can get into my book launch and birthday celebration on Saturday by going on Zoom. The meeting ID is 718-3247-8944. Again, that meeting ID is 718-3247-8944. The passcode is the number six PP, that's two small P's, a capital J, the number seven, a small R. Again, the passcode six PPJ seven R. So that is how you can get into my book launch on Saturday. Well, I'm so excited for you, Zakia. Hopefully I can also log on and enjoy some of those poems. And in case people missed uh, those numbers, I will post a link to the Zoom invite on our website, which is kpfaapprentice.org. And I'll post that link just after the show tonight. Again, uh, Zakia and Bryant, I thank you so much for joining me tonight. And I'm so excited for you, Zakia, about your book launch. Thank you so much, Franklin. And I just wanted to say also that it's on Facebook. It's on my Facebook page and also on my husband's uh, Facebook page. Another way that they can get the information. Well, then tell us what your Facebook page is and Brian. Okay. So my Facebook page is Zakia G-E Cape Heart Bowling. That's Z-A-K-I-Y-Y-A-H. G-E-C-A-P-E-H-A-R-T hyphen B-O-L-L-I-N-G. Again, Z-A-K-I-Y-Y-A-H-G-E-C-A-P-E 
H-A-R-T hyphen B-O-L-L-I-N-G. And my husband's Facebook page is Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, B, Bowling, B-O-L-L-I-N-G. Thank you, Franklin. Certainly, Zakia. Always a pleasure to have you. Always a pleasure to hear those beautiful poems. I uh, thank you very much and Bryant for being patient and playing the beautiful song that he did. And I look forward and hope that your book does very well. And congratulations, Zakia, on this um, this momentous occasion. Thank you so much, Franklin. I, I uh, thank you for uh, inviting me on to Full Circle, my favorite KFFA uh, show. And I look forward to uh, to doing more shows on Full Circle. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again. That's graduate apprentice Zakia G.E. Capehart with her story about her trip to Ghana and the launch of her new book, Ghana on My Mind, Reflections of Journeying to the Motherland. If you missed any of those links, we will put them on our page, kpfaapprentice.org. Just go there after the show, and tomorrow morning you can click on the link and join in on that international birthday celebration book launch for Zakia. All right, we're going to take a short music break, and we'll be right back with Councilwoman of District 1 in Antioch, Tamisha Torres-Walker. Children of the Rasta 
All right, that was the one, the only Bob Marley with Africa Unite. And that one goes out to Zakia for her book and her journey. But up next, I'm joined by my next guest, which is Tamisha Torres Walker. Antioch has been making a lot of changes recently from protests last summer after the George Floyd killing um, on through to November's election and the voting in of a majority of people of color on the city council for the first time in Antioch. We have a majority progressive council who has run mostly on a platform of police reform. Now those reforms are starting to take action, and Tamisha will be joining us to tell us how we're going to fund all that. So check out this interview I had with Tamisha Walker, District 1 representative from Antioch. All right, greetings again, everyone. This is Freeble and Franklin. I'm currently at the Rivertown Resource Center here in downtown Antioch, and I'm joined by Councilwoman Tamisha Torres Walker, representing District 1. Yeah, my district. And uh, we're going to kind of break down the last city council meeting where we historically made the vote to get body cameras, in-car police cams, and dash cams um, systems to run that equipment and also possible employees to manage the data. So Tamisha is going to be here to break down what happened at the last city council meeting and how are we going to pay for these updates to our police force? Are they going to come out of the existing police budget or are they going to come out of the general fund? So she'll help us break all that down tonight. Um, Welcome back to Full Circle and KPFA uh, Councilwoman Torres Walker. Thank you for having me, Frank. It's good to be back and, you know, ready to have this conversation about, you know, how we can balance the city budget. All right. Yeah, because that's getting real important. It's coming up um, shortly. And with all these reforms and new systems in place, we want to make sure that the money is just not increasing the police budget. At least that's what I want. And real for, uh, real quick, can we first kind of explain how the mayor laid out the initial funding for what we voted in last Tuesday, which is in-car dash cams and body cams for the police, a system to operate all the data to transfer to the DA, um, like a networking system, and also two employees to manage all the data. So the funds initially are coming out of the, if I remember correctly, the general fund reserve at the moment. So kind of lay out how are we going to pay for this and what happened on Tuesday's meeting where it's suddenly coming out of the general fund for the moment. Right. So the way the way it worked at the last city council meeting was we didn't approve the total request of the police department. We um, approved a sub a supplemental request. Basically, the request was to get things up and running. And then when we start our budget conversations on the 23rd, that's when we'll have to have a conversation about this um, three, it's a little over $3 million additionally to the police department budget that they will be requesting to continue to run these systems. And there's a lot of talk about, well, maybe that money should not come 
in the form of new money from the general fund to increase the police department's budget by a little over $3 million. But maybe they should use their current budget of a little over, I think, $45 million, if I'm um, correct. They should use their existing budget to pay for these systems to operate. And then on the other end, folks are saying, no, it should come from the general fund. What people need to understand is that the police department's budget already comes out of the general fund. And the funds that we just used last Tuesday are reserved funds, funds that is supposed to be savings for the city, rainy day type of money in a time of a crisis. And we have yet to really use any of those funds to address some of these additional needs around mental health response teams. We haven't even begun to talk about youth, like a real robust youth development programs. And so it was really unfortunate. It was really unfortunate that the police department thought it was appropriate to ask for almost $3 million a day additional to their budget when no other department has had a chance to say what they need. And what are we looking at now that the police budget is taking of the whole total Antioch City budget? Because it's large. I think the last time, the last time I checked the numbers, it was at about 65% of the of the general fund. Since 2016, the police department's budget has increased by 39%. And they're receiving $12 million of the $15 million from Measure W. And that's like a 20-year, supposed to be $15 million over 20 years, and $12 million is already dedicated to the police department. Um, so people seem to even think that like, oh, Measure W funds are being misappropriated and we wanted them to go to the police department to increase, you know, what the police can actually do. Well, what people need to know is that 12 million of 15 million is nothing to sneeze at over 20 years. What is your answer to the people in the city that are saying well, you're asking more now of the police with all this body dash and car cameras, um, all this information. How can you not expect to increase funding to get the job done? So how do you answer that when they're saying you're asking more? How could they do it when they're already, quote unquote, struggling to get the work done? One, I'm not sure how to answer that because you're you're not asking people to do more. You're asking them to do their job with measures of accountability. So this isn't more. And let's be quite honest. People are saying, oh, we're going to lose our chief. We're going to lose our police chief. You know, police officers are going to quit because they're not going to want to wear body cameras. They're not going to want to have to do all of this reporting. Well, what people need to know is that salaries that police officers and the police chief is paid in this city is nothing to sneeze at. And that if, if you are going to quit a job that is paying you almost 300000 a year with great benefits because you don't want to wear a body camera, one, that's ridiculous, and two, you should quit. <laughs> you should. You should. If you quit, we didn't need you here anyway because that's something else. That has nothing to do with your job. This is going to help them do their job more effectively, and it is also going to help the community feel safe as well. And 
you and I, I think kind of both understand and feel the same that some people may not understand, but they feel like the answer to crime and what's happening in the city or the streets is more police. And uh, you had a press conference the other day talking about um, violence within our own community. Why is the answer, in your opinion, not more police, but early intervention, youth programs, you know, um, opportunity lives here, right? So we need opportunity and jobs. You know, how do you feel about what are the answers to um, crime? So one, let's let's go back to some things I've originally said. Police do not deter crime. They do not prevent crime. They show up when a crime or a harm has happened. Like it's already done. It's happened. They're responding. Their uh, their real their their other role, their real role, is to enforce laws, right? And so, it's not intervention. More police is not intervention. It's not even prevention. But there are programs and things that are needed in cities to be able to prevent harm. And unfortunately, we don't have those here in Antioch. And what happens is we we put police in a position to do social services when that is not their role. And that is why the challenges don't change. You know, it's like you're trying to fit a square into a round hole. It's not their job to provide social services. So when you hire more police and they're going to meet the needs of people who really need public services like mental health, homelessness, youth programs, job training and job placement programs um, and, and uh, access to health care, affordable rents, you know, good, good paying jobs. Those are the things that prevent harm in a community that is a balanced approach to public safety, not just policing. For every harm related, let's say, to gun violence, right? For every act of gun violence you can prevent in a city or intervene before it happened, you save that city $5 million each time. So it's a cost savings to not make police the long this this like one source for all our needs. Yeah, it seems like they're trying to do everything. And I liked the um, the meme I saw a while back and it showed that officers carrying all these rocks on his back and they had labels like mental health and all these other things. And then people started taking these loads off their shoulders and suddenly they could focus again. But we're asking for um, body cams. We're getting body cams, in-car cams, dash cams. And we're asking for a mental health crisis response team. And we've been talking about money and how do we get it? If we are asking for these things and we don't want the money to come out of the general fund to provide for this, how do we get the money to pay for it from the existing uh, police budget? That's that's going to be the conversation that we're going to have to have between now and June is how are we going to have a conversation, a public conversation around the city budget um, in a very transparent way so the community can understand how money 
is spent, whether it's general fund, whether it's reserve, what new money or new revenue is coming to the city for our state or federal funds, and then how all of that needs to be allocated to meet the entire needs of the city, not just the police department. That's where every city department gets to present their budget and say what they need to be able to work successfully for the residents of Antioch. And so the police department will also get a chance to present their budget, which will uh, include a request for this little over little over $3 million additional to their budget. And what we're going to hopefully be saying as a city council, because I can't speak for every council member, only myself, what I'm going to be saying is how can you rework your budget to make this happen without any additional funding? And anybody that tells you that they never had to rework a budget to make it work. <laughs> um, they're lying <laughs> because I'm a director. We work and manage our budget at least twice a year and it's doable. I just think that the community needs to know that we cannot keep funding police at the risk of not funding all of these other things that are absolutely necessary to create public safety in our community. I'm also hoping, I mean, this mental health response team is not going to be cheap. It's something that people want. And so we're going to have to figure out how to fund that. And it could be very well the $3 million that the police department is asking for that we need to fund that team. And uh, I think part of the plan in the future of the team coming in is hopefully lightening the load of the police when they they won't have to respond to those calls, which would be in turn savings for them. So that's kind of future projections. you know. Yeah, they do a better job when they do their job <laughs> and not the jobs of every of everybody else. That's the reality. What people need to know is nobody. I, I haven't heard anybody say, well, some people, but the majority of folks just want quality police and services, quality, non-biased, non-threatening police and services. And they want to feel safe in their community. They feel like they want the police department to be able to serve them as well and not feel like when the police show up and they're a victim, they treat them like they're the actual person who committed the, the harm or the crime. They want to be respected. The only way we can make that happen is if we relieve the department of doing all the other things that they're not supposed to be doing so that they can respond to people the way that we need them to so everybody feel feel like they're working for them. They'll be free. They'll be free to <laughs> not be at the homeless camps. They'll be free to not <laughs> right. be on mental health calls. And it would be a tremendous relief of a burden for them. Well, uh, Tamisha, Councilwoman Tamisha Torres-Walker, we're running out of time, but I wanted to get your last thoughts on how Antioch community residents can show their support for these important reforms, but also that the police budget not be increased to implement them. What would you suggest to the community that feel the same way you're feeling, that they need to rework their budget to make it work. What can we do as community members to not only support the reforms, but make sure that they do it right? I think there, there are a few things the community can do. You can get involved at the city council meeting. The 23rd is when we will start to begin to talk about the budget, and then there will be budget study sessions that will happen at the level of the city, and you should get involved in those so you could actually, you can know the absolute need of the city and, and then be able to support efforts to make sure that we aren't increasing the police department's budget, but we're using their current funds more responsibly 
that we have funding that could go to other things that are necessarily needed in the city, like intervention and prevention. I'm pushing for the establishment of an Office of Community Resources and Public Safety because we're going to need somewhere to house all of these new programs and new opportunities to respond to the public need. And that is also going to take some um, some funding. And so I think we should just show up, show up on the 23rd, make your voice heard, you know, no additional funding to the police department. They should think about how to rework their budget to make this work for the pe- the public that they are paid to serve. Thank you very much. Uh, wise words. That's the voice of Councilwoman District 1 out here in Antioch, Tamisha Torres-Walker. And I appreciate you taking the time this morning to speak with me. And I look forward to coming out. Can you say the important date of the city council again? That would be March 23rd, 7 p.m., um, we're still in Zoom land <laughs> with the city council meetings. So I think all public comments are, need to be in by 4 p.m. that day if you want to submit it in writing. But if you also want to show up to speak, you can email the city clerk as well. Send your comments that way. We need as many voices as we can. Again, that's the 23rd, March 23rd, 7 p.m. Get your public comments in by 4 p.m. that day. Definitely. All right. Councilwoman Tamisha Torres Walker, District 1, Antioch, my district. Thank you very much again for spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me, Frank. All right. Thank you, Tamisha. Um, be sure, everybody, to tune in to the Antioch City Council. Big changes are happening. And uh, follow Tamisha Torres Walker on Facebook. I'll have a link on our page kpfaapprentice.org and stay tuned because big changes are coming to Antioch. All right, I'm going to go out with a shout out to the Quinto family, um, Angelo Quinto's family, the young man who was murdered by Antioch police by a knee to the neck on Christmas Eve 2020. Well, his family held a birthday candlelight vigil on his birthday, March 10th, Wednesday, And it was a beautiful thing to see the community come out and celebrate Angelo and just honor him and lift him up for his family and to show their support for his family. It was a really uh, artistic, creative event. And I'm just going to go out with a shout out to the Angelo uh, Quinto family. You know we're here for you. The community is here for you. And we're going to stick by you. And we're going to go out with this song by Ari Styles De La Gente who wrote uh, this creation for Angelo. The Antioch police is hoping that we'd forget, hoping that we'd believe the lies that they invent, but they don't realize we're united, it's time to get justice for the Quinto family and nothing less. It's a long fight ahead of us for Angelo and others. Condolences to the family, a prayer for our brother, a prayer for community, a prayer for the truth to be told, lifted up despite injustice and impunity. Time to stand up, unity we refuse to be. Duped by the lies, we must fight with continuity. Can't accept the usually, the normalized tragedy. We must organize, rise high, battle apathy. Sing about him, tell stories of his full humanity. A man loved by family, 90s jams and laughter we. See a young man with plans seeking clarity. Fishing for life, reflective in personality. Potential sky high with drive to find gravity. Taken too soon, consumed with this agony. Still our people move with more heart and passion. We mourn while we fight. This is how we love radically.
Right, that brings me to the end of tonight's show. Big shout out to our special producers tonight. Myself, a and uh, big shout out to Zakia G E K Part and Tamisha Torres Walker, our special guest tonight. I really appreciate it. Full Circle is the first voice apprenticeship program at KPFA. It is hosted, engineered, and produced by apprentices of the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. Myself, Rewell and Franklin, I am the technical director of this show, and I'm also your host tonight. Again, thanks for joining me tonight and spending some time. I appreciate it. And I just want to remind you, while you're out there, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned, because up next on KPFA is Londa Bajita. Peace, everyone. Thank you.